Hello and welcome into the fan checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese with you here for the next hour. Donovan Bennett is predisposed in Las Vegas. What do we say? He's on assignment. That's the one. He'll be back tomorrow, I think. I don't know. He's a busy guy. But we'll see what happens. Here's the lucky thing. Donovan doesn't have to talk about that bleep show that was the Monday Nighter last night. Lucky guy. I will be joined by Brendan Deeg also in the second block uh, from the score and the Double Doink podcast. Donovan was doing work today, though. I will tell you that much. He sent me this from Shereen Williams from uh, Pro Football Talk. The teams combined for two offensive touchdowns, 461 yards, 13 sacks, 15 punts, 12 penalties, and three turnovers. The two quarterbacks were 49 of of 79 for 399 yards, much of it in garbage time by Zach Wilson. I felt like I was living in garbage time last night. My wife asked me this morning, how did the game go? And I try not to use expletives around my young, impressionable daughter. And I couldn't help myself in explaining exactly how that game went last night. It was horrible with more expletives than I can say on the air. Absolutely dreadful. And you know what the worst part about this is? It's it's not even the fact that I had to stay up late and watch the game. Although that game ended earlier than some of the other ones do. I mean, nothing happened. So, of course. Um is the fact that we get to watch the Jets in prime time again against the Raiders, two backup quarterbacks, I might add, on Sunday Night Football. For those keeping track at home, they could have flexed this game out. Instead, you know, we could have seen maybe, I don't know, 49ers, Jaguars, I would even say that Texans-Bengals is a much better matchup. How about we put the Chargers back in primetime against the Lions? I would rather see... Oh, no, I can't say Cowboys and Giants because that's going to be a horrible game. But no, we get Jets-Raiders. I would rather see the Bucks and the Titans play in primetime. At least make it worth my while so I can watch some semblance of a quarterback. Anyway, I digress. That was horrible last night. Just a really pedantic game. Like, even the beginning, you're just going, oh, my God. Is somebody... It really looked like the you-take-it-I-don't-want-it game for the majority of the first half anyway. Could you imagine either of these teams making it to the playoffs? Please don't let that happen because then we that's the only game we get to watch at that particular moment is one of these teams play. Let's not allow them to get in. Like anybody who's playing the Jets and anybody who's playing the Chargers, I know you're listening. Please beat these teams. I can't watch this anymore. This is ridiculous. Justin Herbert, 16 of 30 for 136 yards. He didn't have to be great because the defense was incredible. Now, having said that, can we really make an assessment on the the Los Angeles Chargers and their defense based on who they played, that horrible offensive line that the Jets have, and just that horrible quarterback that they have? Like, did the Jets know something that we don't? Well, they know a lot more than we do about Aaron Rodgers and his recovery. 
But to not go out and get a veteran quarterback, I don't know, Josh Dobbs maybe, wouldn't be worth a, a, a pick swap of a six and a seven for Josh Dobbs. I don't know. Looked pretty competent to me, and we will talk about him later in the show. Looked pretty competent to me in that win over the Falcons. Oh, and we will get to Arthur Smith today. We will get to Arthur Smith today. Um, But I don't know if... Apparently... Aaron, this is according to NBC Sports. Aaron Rodgers was overheard after the week nine loss last night to the Chargers saying he would return in a few weeks, quote unquote, asked by Chargers Derwin James when he said he would be when asked when he would be back in the lineup. Rodgers said, give me a few weeks. Now, we've all been to the bar. A couple of beers is not two and a few beers is not three. So does a few in this instance mean three? Does it mean, like if we're talking in terms of, you know, measuring it up against how many beers you have when you say you have a few or whatever alcoholic beverage is your choice. Beer's not mine anymore. Is is it three? Are we talking five, six? It sounds like Aaron Rodgers believes he's going to be back before the end of the season. Hopefully the Jets are out of it by that point. Because as a Bills fan, I don't know if I can handle that. Uh, Zach Wilson, I mean, yes, he had a lot of garbage time yards last night. And and the stat line will look okay from a yardage perspective. And while I do want to blame Zach Wilson for a lot of things that happened last night, he got no help. He had, the, the Jets had a case of the drops last night. The offensive line is terrible. I don't put a lot of that on Zach Wilson. I mean, he's not very good. But he didn't have any help. And he was under pressure all game. Like the Brandon Staley, in for the hopes of keeping his job, was probably thrilled by that performance because he, he can go to his bosses and say, look, I am a defensive genius. To which I say, you were playing brothers and sisters of the poor last night. Not ideal circumstances for the New York Jets. Uh, they fall to four and four. The Chargers, they jump up to four and four. And both of these teams, like I mentioned, firmly in the playoff race in the AFC, which I think is just, I can't, I can't. I've already said that. I can't, I can't do this again. Uh, so, so there's that one. Uh, Chargers win. And we get to see the Jets in primetime again on Sunday night. Have fun staying up for that one. Okay, so there's some way more important storylines that I want to get to because that one was just, we can put that one aside and never talk about it again. Although we might talk about it a little bit later with Brendan Deke. CJ Stroud, 470 passing yards, five touchdowns, the yardage, a single game rookie record, beating Andrew Luck and pretty handily beating Andrew Luck in the process. To this point, C.J. Stroud has 14 touchdowns to one interception. He is on pace to have one of, if not, the greatest seasons we have seen from a rookie. And not a lot of people thought that could happen. Everybody talked about, well, he doesn't have the weapons. Is the offensive line going to hold up? It, It doesn't matter. He's that good. And, like, he's... At this point in the season, we thought... Bijan Robinson was going to be the leading candidate for rookie of the year. 
Anthony Richardson certainly would have been in the conversation. We know Richardson's hurt. He's out for the year. Uh, Bijan Robinson and his usage, we will absolutely get to very shortly. And we thought, okay, Bryce Young is the first overall pick. He's he's going to be in the conversation. And then Puka Nakua out of the gate is lighting the world on fire. He's catching everything that's thrown his way. Now the Rams suck. And, well, he's kind of moved down the line a little bit. And as has Bijan Robinson. So for me, it is, it's not about the offensive rookie of the year here because he's going to win that if he stays healthy. He's got the poise in the pocket, his deep throws, the way, the way that he, like there, there was a play, it was on the final drive and Tampa Bay has the two high safeties and they're playing off the receivers and he somehow finds a seam and credit to Tank Dell for getting open, but he finds the seam and makes an incredible pass right along the sidelines. Tank Dell gets his feet inbound, and then that leads to a game-winning touchdown. And remember, he did not need a lot of space to make that throw. That's how good it was. But when you see what he's done to this point, averaging 283.8 yards per game, as I mentioned, the 14 touchdowns to only the one interception, he's doing it with guys like Tank Dell and Nico Collins, and, and Dalton Schultz certainly has had his moments. But that, to me, is what makes this even more impressive. Nobody thought that this was possible for C.J. Stroud, especially what we saw in the preseason, which is also an indication that we need to start changing our tune on what the preseason is and how much we read from it. Because Kenny Pickett was going to be the next Terry Bradshaw. Doesn't look like that. Doesn't look like that at all. On the other hand, C.J. Stroud looked like a deer in the headlights in the preseason. And all he's done is put together to this point, the greatest season that we've seen from a rookie quarterback. And remember when there was all that talk about CJ Stroud and how he scored so poorly on the S2 cognition test. And, and that's a, a test that teams use to help evaluate their players based on split second processing and decision-making ability. Bryce Young scored incredibly high on that. If that was the determining factor in the Carolina Panthers taking Bryce Young over CJ Stroud, they should have canceled that subscription yesterday and, and throw it in the garbage and never use it again. And I'm not saying that Bryce Young is going to be a bad quarterback because I don't think he is. I think the offensive line there is horrible. He's a smaller quarterback, so it's a little bit different. I think there's room for growth there. But C.J. Stroud looks like the real deal. And this is where things are going to get interesting. And you can tweet me, you can text me, you can do whatever on this take. I don't care because I believe it. The Texans' remaining schedule is at Cincy, home to Arizona, home to Jacksonville, who they already hammered in Jacksonville, home to Denver, at New York Jets, at Tennessee, home to Cleveland, home to Tennessee, home to the Colts. If the Houston Texans get into the playoffs... There's only one way that that's going to happen. And that is that CJ Stroud has to play at the level that he is playing. So what I'm saying is if CJ Stroud gets this team into the playoffs, the team that everybody thought was a cellar dweller, 
except me, because I told you that they were going to win more games than the New England Patriots. C.J. Stroud is in the MVP conversation. Not just Offensive Rookie of the Year, MVP. Say it louder for the people in the back, MVP. The only other rookie to win MVP in the NFL, Jim Brown in 1957. That is some elite company. Mark that down. Okay, Lance, we're going to save that one. It is, I don't even know what date it is. It's, it's November 7th. Yeah, that's the one. November 7th, 2023, I proclaim that if the Houston Texans get into the playoffs, CJ Stroud wins MVP. I would put a few shekels on that because I am a degenerate and you know I've done worse things. All right. This is the time you've all been waiting for. It's time to rip on Arthur Smith Day. So here's a quote from the FedEx air who should just go run FedEx and be done with football because I'm so sick and tired of it. And have you noticed every time this guy has a press conference, he just gets snarkier and snarkier as if he sounds like that rich kid that can never do any wrong. That's where I'm at with Arthur Smith right now. So here's a quote. Robinson Bijan played a lot of snaps against Minnesota and sometimes his impact away from the ball can open things up. You know what else can open things up? Giving him the ball. He's the worst. Arthur Smith is the worst. Bijan Robinson in that game against Minnesota, 11 carries 51 yards. You know, who out carried him Tyler Algier who had 12 carries for 39 yards. I know, but you're saying, Matt, it's a high-scoring game like that. Bijan had to have been heavily involved in the passing game, right? No, two catches for eight yards. You know who else had two catches? Tyler Algier for minus nine yards. But, it's Matt, it's only one game. What are you getting so fired up about? Do you know how many carries inside the five Bijan Robinson has to this point? I'll give you a hint. He had, he had one... He has one more than I do all year. That's one. Matt, surely he's been used outside of the five-yard line. He's too talented to not use him there. Here's the carries inside the 10-yard line. Tyler Algier, 10. Bijan Robinson, 2. You drafted him with the eighth overall pick, and you have given him two carries inside the 10 and one inside the five. It can't be this bad, right? Well, here's an example of the offense in Atlanta and specifically the goal-to-go offense. This is not fiction. This is not me trying to be funny. This is the God's honest truth. First and goal from the six, pass to John M. Smith. Second and goal from the one, jet sweep to John Smith. A jet sweep to your tight end. Third and goal from the one, Tyler Algier, carry, minus four yards. Fourth and goal from the five, Young Way Koo, 23-yard field goal attempt is good. Snaps for Bijan Robinson on that goal-to-goal portion. He had as many as I did. Zero. Fire this man into the sun. Draft Kyle Pitts. Don't throw to him. Draft Bijan Robinson. Don't use him. But hey, he's doing a great job away from the ball. 
that is an indictment on Arthur Smith's ability to not only assess talent, but to call a game. If this guy, if they don't get into the playoffs, which I can't imagine the way that they're going right now, this man cannot be the coach of this football team anymore. You have given Arthur Smith keys to the Ferrari and he would rather drive the Ford Taurus. What a disaster in Atlanta. And somehow, miraculously, two teams from that division are going to get into the playoffs. I don't care what anybody says. It's still going to happen. My world depends on it because I don't want to have to wear a Dallas Cowboys jersey in the studio. All right, Josh Dobbs, who's now being called, and this is a wonderful, wonderful nickname. For those that don't know, uh, Josh Dobbs is probably one of the smartest guys in the NFL, majoring in aerospace engineering at the University of Tennessee. Now, I went to community college, and I have a really hard time spelling aerospace, let alone learning about it. So needless to say, Josh Dobbs, very smart guy. Uh, NASA tweeted him, picture of him in a spacesuit, all that stuff. He is now being called the Pastronaut. And I love it. You know why I love it? Because I think Josh Dobbs is one of, if not the best stories in the NFL. Need somebody to come in on a short week? Josh Dobbs is the guy. Oh, your quarterback got hurt? He didn't have any reps in practice this week with the first team? He barely knows the playbook? Josh Dobbs is your guy. Tennessee, Malik Willis, not very good. Josh Dobbs walking down the street. You come in. I got you. We're going to sign you to a contract. Plays extremely well. Comes in in relief of Jaron Hall, 20 of 30 for 158 yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Now, for those that play fantasy football, and I know that you are out there listening to the show, Josh Dobbs is operating like a QB1 right now. His rushing ability, and he gives, and I'm, I'm not saying that he's better than Kirk Cousins. I'm not. But he gives the Minnesota Vikings an element to their playbook that they could not have with Kirk Cousins. Is he as good of a passer? No. But his ability to scramble and create plays with his legs, as he said, why, when do you run the ball? Well, when nobody's open. Everybody's covered. Off I go. Seems to be working. And he's going to will this Vikings team into the playoffs, right? Like, it's going to happen. After that horrible start, and then Kirk Cousins gets hurt, and I said it on the show, they're going to go out and acquire a quarterback, and they're going to make me look foolish because I said they weren't going to make the playoffs. Because we know about that NFC. Yeesh. No bueno. But Josh Dobbs has been as good as anyone could have expected. You know, he talked about coming in to, to Minnesota, not much time to practice. And, you know, he referenced something that Mike Tomlin said. And I, I think we could all learn something from this because I think, you know, you guys know my feelings on Mike Tomlin. I think he's the best coach in the NFL, especially with that horrible quarterback that he has. But Mike Tomlin said, like, nobody's going to feel sorry for you in your situation, so you better make the best of it. And that's what Josh Dobbs has done. There were no expectations for Josh Dobbs going into Arizona. There was no expectations for him going into Tennessee. He's been traded twice this year from the Cleveland Browns 
to the Arizona Cardinals. He starts the first week after barely being with the team, looks competent, ends up beating the Dallas Cowboys for the only win of the season for the Arizona Cardinals. And now he's a member of the Minnesota Vikings, leads them to victory, and right into the thick of things in the NFC playoff race. For my money, Josh Dobbs is the best story in football right now. I can't find another one. No expectations for the guy, and he manages to not only play well, but puts himself into a scenario where there are going to be teams that call Josh Dobbs about starting next year. I don't think it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings, but if they make the playoffs on his back, might very well be the Minnesota Vikings. It's a really great situation that he finds himself in. Justin Jefferson is going to come back from injury as long as this team is in the playoff race. I would not be stunned if it's not long after he's eligible to start practicing again after coming off the IR. TJ Hawkinson is there. And boy, TJ Hawkinson is going to get all the work that he wants with Josh Dobbs, who targets the tight end at an incredible rate. Jordan Addison, one of the better young receivers in the NFL. Hopefully KJ Osborne comes back. The running game, not so great. But the weapons that Josh Dobbs has when Justin Jefferson comes back, probably better than he's going to play with the, the rest of his career. Josh Dobbs, if he keeps playing this way, is going to be a starter somewhere next year. That I do not doubt. All right, and we had some news yesterday after we went off the air, and we'll, uh, we're going to chat about this with Brendan Deeg as well, but Kyler Murray's back. He will start Sunday against the Falcons. I'm sure Arthur Smith will try and find a way to screw that one up too. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what Kyler Murray looks like. Off the ACL injury, how mobile will he be? How willing of a runner will he be? Because there's always that kind of period after when you come back where you're a little bit hesitant. And honestly, that's probably the worst thing that you can be because inherently that's when you get hurt in any sport. When you are hesitant, that's when you get hurt. I also want to see what he looks like away from Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Because for all that it's worth, Cliff Kingsbury was supposed to be this offensive genius that was coming to the NFL from Texas Tech and, oh, he was going to be wonderful. Well, it didn't translate. Kyler Murray had a couple of good years, sure. But I want to see what he's like away from that offense. But the biggest question that I have throughout this whole process is, is this going to be an audition for another team? As of right now, the Cardinals have the first overall pick. And could you keep Kyler Murray and trade away the first overall pick for a bounty? Yeah, you could. Because Caleb Williams is better than Bryce Young. So think about what the Chicago Bears got for the first overall pick and start adding because that's what it's going to cost. So is this an audition or is this a Kyler's our guy? You know, we want to create some sort of a winning culture because, well, let's face it, that organization has been horrible and try and reset things with Kyler Murray as the quarterback. So I'm really curious to see how this all plays out as it pertains to the future of Kyler Murray. Not only what he looks like in the immediate future, 
But long-term, if Kyler Murray is going to be a member of this organization, because this is twofold. If Kyler Murray comes back and plays well, yes, his trade value goes up. But the more he plays well, the better chance you have to win, the less chance you have to get the first overall pick. This is very much a double-edged sword here. So we'll see how that goes. By the way, for anybody keeping track at home, uh, the new Call of Duty launches on Friday. No reason at all why I'm mentioning that. Just just wanted to throw it out there. Um, I heard Kyler Murray kind of likes video games. Heard he doesn't like studying playbooks or watching film or anything like that. But he loves Call of Duty. I wish I could play Call of Duty, but I don't have time. It was fun while it lasted. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Brendan Deke from The Score and the Double Doink Podcast will join me, and we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, Particularly, as I was texting with him last night, he said he can't wait to rip my Buffalo Bills, to which I said I already do a good enough job for the two of us. Brendan Deke from The Score and the Double Doink Podcast. When we come back, this is the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese here with you. Donovan Bennett is uh, busy. Predisposed, on assignment, anything you want to say. He's not here. He's in Vegas. But I think he'll be back tomorrow. I will also have uh, our weekly hit with Adam Rank tomorrow. Um, As was also pointed out to me, talking about the primetime games, and it's just a a nice reminder, uh, Thursday is Panthers and Bears. Monday is Broncos and Bills. Bet the under in every single primetime game because that's all that happens is they go under because they all suck. Uh, someone who knows that all too well because they watch the NFL just as much as I do uh, is our next guest, Brendan D, NFL editor for the score and host of the Double Doink podcast. Buddy, I don't understand how that Jets-Raiders game, especially after what we watched last night, was not flexed before the deadline. I, I I rhymed off other games that we would all rather see. So Texans, Bengals, 49ers, Jaguars, Browns, Ravens. Um, I'd rather even watch the Titans and the Buccaneers. Hell, I'd rather watch the Falcons and that horror show that is Arthur Smith play the uh, the Cardinals with Kyler Murray back. How about you? It's brutal, Matt. Um, it's all the Jets are turning into the 2022 Broncos with all the primetime games. Oh, yeah. And of course, they scheduled them all thinking Aaron Rodgers would be there. And then Aaron Rodgers goes out with an Achilles tear, four snaps in the, into the season. And now we're stuck with a Zach Wilson versus Aiden O'Connell primetime game. I'm with you. I don't understand why it wasn't flexed. They knew this was coming. They saw how, to, how much of a disaster the Raiders were leading up to Josh McDaniels. This, this was announced before the McDaniels firing. Um, and then you saw, we all know what Zach Wilson is. And um, it, it's kind of a shame on the NFL for not flexing that one out. Yeah, what a surprise. The NFL screwed up again. Um, okay, so some news from yesterday. I don't even, you're good if we don't talk about that game last night, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, okay, excellent. excellent. <laughs> a quick take on it. Quick take on it. Though, sure, Matt. sure. I feel like Justin Herbert is now boring to watch. Does that make sense? Like the, the juice yeah, and the excitement of Justin Herbert's almost gone now. Like he was the guy that you would want to watch every single, if he's on prime time, 
fans are running to the screen to see this kid play. He, he's fun. He's electric. He can throw the ball deep. And the Chargers' offense has become boring. Uh, Justin Herbert has almost become boring. Like that was they they won by more than three scores, and it kind of just seems like or more than two scores, and it kind of just seems like it was a disappointing win. Which is weird because. Okay, we'll get into it. It's weird that it feels boring because Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator. I mean, part of it may be, you know, no Mike Williams and Josh Palmer didn't play yesterday and Quentin Johnson really hasn't lived up to any sort of expectation. Although I think we all thought that that was a long-term project for the Chargers. But just going back to the Kellen Moore thing, this was a guy that ran offenses in Dallas that were very, very exciting to watch. And now I agree, like, it's just, I don't know, they don't... They don't leave a lot to the imagination. How about that? Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because the Chargers' offense is actually still very efficient. They're eight in EPA per player right now of all offenses in the NFL, but it doesn't seem that way. And the reason why is because the Chargers actually aren't turning the ball over at all. Um, I believe Justin Herbert's only got one or two interceptions. I can't remember exactly how many he has. They don't fumble the ball. I believe they're second in the NFL in, um, in, in giveaways. And they're 20th in success rate. So success rate basically measures an offense on how successful you are on every play. Are you getting four or five yards um, every single play? Are you, are you succeeding on, on a second down, second four? Kind of kind of just jumbles everything in together to see how successful you are as an offense. And they're 20th compared to eighth efficiency. So that really kind of shows you that the, take, that the giveaways on the Chargers side of the ball are really helping them. And I, I'm with you. I thought Kellen Moore would bring a lot of juice to this offense, make it more exciting. It just hasn't been that way. Um, and, and not turning the ball over. It's kind of saved their, their season so far. Uh, speaking of bringing juice to the offense, although Josh Dobbs was pretty good uh, in his stead, Kyler Murray, uh, he's going to make the start against the Falcons on Sunday. And this is kind of a multi-layered thing for me because I understand there's a lot of lo- money locked up in Kyler Murray right now. I feel like this could be an audition for other teams, but also could be, hey, Kyler, what do you have because, you know, this is going to determine your future in Arizona. Problem is this. If it is an audition, then he's got to play great. That's fine. That takes you out of the Kyle, the uh, Caleb Williams sweepstakes if he plays too well. So it's almost like you want him to play well, but you don't want him to play too well. Because even if you are keeping him, you could trade that pick, that first overall pick for a bounty. Like I, I mentioned earlier, if you take what the Bears got for the number one pick, with Bryce Young being that guy, although C.J. Stroud maybe was the guy at the time and it changed, I don't know. But neither of those guys come into the NFL with the same sort of hype that Caleb Williams has. So I say you take what that offer was and then you start adding to it. How do you feel about this Kyler Murray situation and where do you think it ends up? Yeah, you're right. It's kind of a complicated situation here because the Cardinals are just not in a good state right now. They have lost six games in a row. They're one and eight. They are actually, if the season were to end today, they would have the first overall pick in the NFL draft. Um, but the other side of this is like, if you're a fan, you're watching your team lose six in a row, you watch Clayton tune. Um, and that offense um, actually have maybe one of, it actually statistically was a, a top 10 worst offense performance, according to EPA per play since 2000. Like they couldn't do anything against Cleveland. It, it was awful. So if you're a fan, you're going like, I don't want to watch this anymore. Like I want to see Kyler Murray play. I want to see some sort of excitement. And then the other side of that is like, wait, if we, if we win a couple games, like for instance, uh, with Kyler Murray back right now, it's only a one point spread against Atlanta. So even Vegas is going just the addition of Kyler Murray to the team makes them competitive and makes them 
at least a contender to win three, four, five games down the stretch, whatever that number is. And then that will pull you out of the number one overall pick contention. Um, I think if you were to end up with the number one overall pick in Arizona, you have no choice but to draft Caleb Williams. Like there isn't keep, there's no keeping Kyler Murray. If you have the number one overall pick, you have to draft Caleb and you have to trade Kyler. So um, you're right. It could be like an audition to the other teams around the league saying, Hey, look, look at this shiny toy we got on a relative okay quarterback contract, would you like to trade for him since we have the number one overall pick? So um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird situation in Arizona, but just from like an excitement level, a fan level, I think you have to play him and you have to, you have to uh, let him finish out the season. Brendan D from the score and the double doing podcast, joining Matt Marchese here on the fan check down. Okay. So I had a take earlier and uh, I feel like you're going to, you might laugh at it, but I fully believe that this could be the case. So CJ Stroud right now is having probably the best rookie season we've seen from any player in the history of the game to this point. Okay. If the Houston Texans get into the playoffs, it's because CJ Stroud has played at this level because the defense has shown moments where it's been good, but they've also given up a ton of points. So I say if CJ Stroud gets the Houston Texans into the playoffs, it means he had to play at a record-breaking pace, continuing the pace he's on now. He wins the MVP. It's not crazy. Um, he should definitely be in the MVP conversation right now. Uh, he, this is arguably the best rookie quarterback season we've seen since Dak Prescott. Um, when he his rookie season with the Cowboys, you can maybe even go back to RG3's rookie season with Washington back in 2012, which was a historic season. Um, but I'm, I had to take on my podcast yesterday that CJ Stroud is already a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. This is what my eyes are telling me and the numbers are there to back it up. That throw to Tank Dell on the left sideline yep. uh, on the final drive was maybe the best throw um, of the season from any quarterback. Um, there, there, was a, there was a couple good throws this week. Jalen Hurts at an absolute diamond to Devonta Smith. I know it might be pushing it with that, but I just, I, I was blown away by that talk. His ability, like they were down, they, they needed to score a touchdown on that drive. They had like 50 seconds left, which is no problem to see just shout. Just, just calm, cool, collected in the pocket. So it was a, uh, so it was a dart over the middle to Brevin, um, to, uh, to Jordan to kind of add some uh, yards on. Then he throws the left sideline toss to Tank Dell. And then just an absolute brilliant play call by Bobby Slowick. Um, to beat the uh, to beat that coverage, Tampa Bay was running a quarters coverage, which is kind of just like deep zone. Um, and then Bobby Slow called a perfect play on kind of an in-breaking post route to Tank Dell for the touchdown. Bobby Slowick and the offensive coordinator the Texans and CJ Shad are like in cohorts right now. They are working t- brilliantly together. They are able to read defense as well. They're able to figure out what defenses want to throw their way. And CJ Shad is taking everything in stride. Like I- I'm, I'm with you. Like let's say the Texans do get to ten and seven um, and make the playoffs. Like like you said, it's going to be because CJ Shad played so well. And it's in, in a year right now where there's like not a clear cut MVP, like Patrick Mahomes is still the favorite to win MVP right now, Crazy. even after the uh, kind of the, the lackluster offensive performance and his performance against the Dolphins. I think Jalen Hurts is second, but Hurts still has like turnovers and whatnot. You can still poke holes in his game. So yeah, you know what, Matt, you're, you might, you might be onto something here. If, if the Texans continue to roll, uh, here's the quote. Apparently uh, before the game winning drive, CJ Stroud said, if you give me a little time, I will make them pay. And that just sends chills Hell down yeah. my spine. He, I love he's so that. Likeable Matt. Like it's yeah. not even just, just not even just the quarterback, like just as a person, like, the dance that he does, I kept, what's that, the squabble dance? I think it's called sure. the squabble. Sure, I don't know, I'm too old yeah. for that. 
I, it's kind of became like a trend in the NFL right now where everyone's copied. I think him and uh, Nico Collins did it early in the season. There's like fans doing it in the stands now. Like his press conferences, he's very well spoken. You can tell like he just wants to play well. He continued to kind of lead the Texans franchise in the right way. So just a very fun guy to root for. Maybe like a top five storyline so far in the NFL has been CJ Stroud. Yeah. And you know, the, the most impressive thing for me with CJ Stroud is he's not doing it with an alpha wide receiver. Like Nico Collins is a good receiver. Tank Dell is a good receiver mm-hmm. and could, and, and maybe he's getting to very good receiver, both of those guys. But I don't think they are very good receivers without CJ Stroud. Could you imagine what he would do with a guy like, I don't know, Devonte Adams um, with a guy like Stefan Diggs or Keenan Allen or Justin Jeff, like the, the world of opportunities that opens up is wild. And to me, that's why this is even more impressive. He's doing it with, you know, a, a banged up Robert Woods early in the year. Dalton Schultz, who was a castaway, although he probably shouldn't have been, but he's been pretty good in Houston. Uh, Nico Collins yeah. and Tank Dell. Like it's, it's, and John Mechie hasn't even gotten to the level that I think we all think he can because he hasn't played all that much. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you say that because you can actually compare the, the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans right now and kind of how they built the team around their two young quarterbacks. So, for instance, the Carolina Panthers, what they did is they drafted Bryce Young. They signed a veteran wide, uh, veteran wide receiver in Adam Thielen. They signed a veteran tight end in Hayden Hurst, and they drafted a wide receiver in Jonathan Mingo. The Houston Texans did a very similar thing. They drafted a wide receiver in Tank Dell. They signed a veteran tight end in Dalton Schultz. Um, and the Panthers play the, what the Panthers have done hasn't worked. Like uh, Hayden Hurst has not been good. Um, Jonathan Mingo can, can't even see the field. Um, Adam Thielen has been good. He's been their only guy that's been able to catch passes from Bryce Young. And on Houston side, I think Dalton Schultz has turned into a real weapon for them. And Tank Dell has hit. So they had like the Panthers and Texans had similar game plans and had similar just plans to build around the young quarterback. The Texans just hit on their players. And the Panthers did it. Which is so funny because Nick Casario used to be a member of the Patriots front office and Bill Belichick can't draft at all. He's in the hall of shame in terms of GMs of all time. Um, Okay, so on to, on to another uh, storyline here. Yesterday, you know, you, it's funny because you talked about the MVP race right now, and there was one guy who was not in that conversation of, you know, the top two guys that you mentioned, who for my money right now is the number one contender for the MVP and also quarterbacking the best team, in my opinion, in the AFC. That's Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Like, they demolished the Lions. They demolished the Seahawks. They look really good. The dominance of Lamar Jackson against the NFC continues. The way that they run the ball without a star running back, and although Keaton Mitchell certainly looked like a star this past week, the way that the offense is going with Todd Munkin, that defense is playing all elite. Maybe you could make the argument they're the best defense in the NFL right now. Even, you know, the way they're playing, maybe even a little bit better than the Cleveland Browns because of the schedule. I don't want to play the Baltimore Ravens if I am anybody in the AFC right now. And that includes teams like the Bengals and the Chiefs. Yeah, I I, uh, I had to take in my podcast yesterday too. I think the Eagles and the Ravens are the two best teams in the NFL. You can say one A, one B, however you want to rank them. Um, and I, I don't think it's I think it's kind of clear cut right now. That one was beyond impressive. Like to, to, to absolutely just destroy the Seattle Seahawks, thirty-seven three, a Seahawks team that was five and two leading their division heading to that game, and Baltimore did the exact same thing to the Detroit Lions recently. Like they had two pretty solid NFC opponents 
um, just get absolutely destroyed by them. And you're right. I think Lamar Jackson 100% belongs in the MVP conversation, top three at least. Um, he's just been so efficient uh, with that offense. Like, I thought before the year, like, I was high on the Ravens this year. I took them to win the division. But I did think it would take a little bit of time with Todd Munkin and Baltimore and all these new receivers to get the offense going. And that just hasn't been the case. They are fourth in success rate. They are seventh in eight people play on offense. They've been so efficient and with Lamar, like how dangerous Lamar is um, uh, as a player, you add on a run game that can run for 298 yards. Like that's the team winning in different ways. That is what a successful team looks like. That's what a Super Bowl contender looks like. And you talked about the defense, uh, Matt. It's it's incredible how good they've been. So since 2000, um, or sorry, the Ravens defense is only allowing a touchdown on 8.7% of its drives this season. Since 2000, there's only one defense that has done that, and it's the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, which had Ed Reed, um, Ray Lewis, one of the best defenses of all time. Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator of Baltimore, deserves so much credit for what he's done. He's going to be head coach next year. If I'm the Raiders, I'm already calling him to book a meeting for when they can interview him as fast as possible. What he's been able to do with that defense is remarkable. You have guys like Jadavion Clowney, who was signed in, I think, June or July, this year to a one-year deal, he only had 29 pressures last season. He has 39 through through week nine already. He's playing out of his mind. Uh, Matt Abuke is a defensive tackle who's going to get like $100 million this offseason for how well he's playing. Geno Stone, the safety, is turned into an all-pro. He leads the league in interception. So Mike McDonald is doing so much with not as much talent, and that's a sign of a good coordinator, and that's a sign of a well-run unit. And I, I'm uh, I'm beyond impressed with what the Ravens have done so far through this year. Yeah, they've been they've been incredible. I see. I knew I liked you because I picked the Ravens to win the division as well. Great minds think alike. There we go, baby. Um, okay, so here here's kind of a big picture question. Uh, we've talked a lot about quarterbacks, but you know, Patriots, Raiders, Vikings, Packers, Bears, Falcons, Bucks, Seahawks, Cardinals, and Rams could all potentially be looking for a quarterback this offseason. And we've seen poor quarterback play across the board. Part of it is because of injury, but part of it is because I don't know that we're living in this golden age of quarterbacks that everybody thought that we were. Are, are you kind of on board with that as well? Like there are the elite quarterbacks, but then there is a massive drop off after that. Yeah. Quarterback plays definitely a, a hot topic of conversation right now in the NFL um, with Clayton tune starting. Um, it made it, uh, I believe nine rookie quarterbacks to at least record a start this season, which is tied for the most um, in NFL history. We're already through, we're only through nine weeks. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely uh, there's definitely a drop off in quarterback play from the elite guys. Injuries have something to do with that, right? Like we saw Brett Rippon play instead of Matthew Stafford. Kirk Cousins goes down. Aaron Rodgers goes down. Like I think the quarterback position in general has just been kind of hampered by injuries. But yeah, the NFL could really use an influx of young quarterback talent. Because let's remember here, we had that 2021 season, or the 2022 draft, where you had Kenny Pickett. Malik Willis, like you had guys that weren't, didn't have a lot of juice and haven't been successful in the NFL. So you kind of had this like a year where no youth quarterback talent was coming in. Um, and then you, of course, you had last year with Bryce Young, CJ Shroud, Anthony Richardson, who also got hurt. So like just the last two years have kind of just hampered the, the influx of quarterback talent. This is a good year to do it. Um, there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out this year's draft. Drake May. We talked about Caleb Williams already. Michael Penix Jr. Um, is an absolute lefty flamethrower. So there's definitely some talent coming in. But, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's been kind of a weak quarterback year so far. Yeah, you can even throw Bo Nix in that conversation too. He's yep. really, really good with Oregon. The guy, uh, the guy is, is what going on his fifth, sixth year now. He's got like sixty starts, about to be a first round pick. He's completely revolutionized his career. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but also on that quarterback play, because this is this is the other part of it. Because we can talk about the quarterbacks and how poorly they've played, but the other thing that I don't, and I think, it, I mean, I think it's starting to get a little bit more credence now. But have defenses caught up and even surpassed offenses like we talked about how creative offenses got you know with with McVay and Shanahan and then Mike McDaniel and then oh Todd Munkin comes in and look at all these you know innovative ideas and what they're doing have defenses actually caught up and surpassed how offenses play now because I feel like that's part of the conversation that we're not talking enough about yeah, this is an interesting topic that I've been uh, we, I brought we talked about my podcast this uh, this offseason we were doing our division previews um, the NFL for a long time had like this obsession with hiring old defensive coordinators and just rotating through old guys that have been around forever. Like Jack Del Rio is a great example. He's still in Washington, but the Washington defense has been awful. Um, Wade Phillips was cycled around. Um, there's a bunch of just old guys that were just like, you get fired one, one team, you'd be on, you have a job the next year. The NFL never really kind of got into this youth movement on defense, and this year we're starting to see that. And the, and the great best example of it is Mike McDonald in Baltimore, who worked at Michigan. He's, I believe, only 36 years old. Sean Desai, who is in the Eagles defensive coordinator, he's a young guy. The NFL started to kind of realize we need to match these young offensive minds like Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Nick Sirianni, all those young offensive coaches that came in the NFL over the last couple of years have kind of revolutionized the way football is played. The NFL has now like said, let's hire young defensive coordinators who understand these systems to try to counteract that. So I think you're really starting to see that kind of come through this year and it's improved defense. The NFL right now, Matt, is actually at the lowest scoring rate since 2001. There just hasn't been a lot of points. I'm sure everyone who's in fantasy football league has kind of noticed that points are just down, scoring's down, and defenses has kind of uh, bounced back after a rough couple of years from like that 2019 to 2021 range where offenses were dominating. Yeah, I can tell you for a fact that my fantasy teams are down in scoring, and it's not necessarily <laughs> because of the league. Um, okay, I, I got about uh, two minutes here for this one. I'm going to give you the floor because I know you want to rip on my team, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to maybe rip on somebody else. Who is the bigger pretender right now, the Dolphins or the Bills? Whew, that's an interesting question. Um, I'm not I, on both of these teams. Um, I, uh, I still think the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills can be Super Bowl contenders and can compete. Um, I think you have to go with the Bills right now just because they're 5-4 and four and the Dolphins are leading the division, but I think both have their issues. I'll stick with Buffalo for, uh, for right now. Um, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not out on Buffalo, but there's definitely some issues there, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're just, they're just not the same defense they were week one, Matt. Like, you lost Matt Milano, who's arguably the best top three linebacker in the NFL, maybe even the best linebacker in the NFL. You lose him. You lose Tredavious White, a top 20 cornerback in the NFL. You lose Daquan Jones, who was playing out of his mind before he had that pectoral injury. Um, so you have to lose, like, three key starters, three key players to a unit that really needs those guys the talent level just dropped off and it's really shown in the numbers. So over the last two weeks, Buffalo was 30th in EP per play on defense, which is not good. They've been one of the worst defense in the NFL the last couple of weeks. They're now 18th on the season. So they were like a below average efficiency defense. 
And that's the problem. That needs to get solved. And I also think there's something to now Sean McDermott is now calling the defense instead of being the head coach. There's some like confusion on the in-game decisions. Sean McDermott's now kind of just like distracted with running that defense instead of focusing on NFL instead of focusing on NFL head coaching kind of uh, task like making sure your players are there, making sure special teams are getting out there, making sure you're still on the challenge flag, right? It's just like a lot of kerfuffle going on on that Buffalo defensive side, which I don't know if they're going to be able to fix. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, I do think kind of – I know Ken Dorsey getting fired is like the hot topic in Buffalo. Everyone wants Ken Dorsey gone. The play calling isn't right. The offense is sporadic. I do agree to, some, I agree to that to some degree, but I do think that there's a little bit of an overreaction going on. Buffalo is still have a top three offense in efficiency according to EPA per play. And I know there was actually a big argument on Bill's Twitter yesterday where it's like, screw all your efficiency stats. Like, we, we, know, we know what we're watching. And – you're cut, you're right to some degree there, but like you still have Josh Allen. Josh Allen is still playing uh, to me at a high level. Um, it's just the offense is just kind of like Josh Allen centric right now, where you have to be Superman, and there's just nothing else. Like I said it on my podcast all throughout the offseason. I really wish this team went after DeAndre Hopkins. I really wish this team added another wide receiver because right now your first round rookie Dalton Kincaid is the the second option on the offense. Like that is not a good way to plan this. They should have added someone there. Gabe Davis has taken a step back. He can't get separation. He, he's in, uh, unable to be that number two option for Buffalo. And the run game just isn't there either. Um, they had six design run calls um, in, in two, three quarters in that Bengals game, which is, is not a recipe for success. But again, I'm not out on them. I still think they can get it figured out. And they have a really easy stretch coming up against the Jets and Broncos where you could be seven and four um, heading into a tougher stretch of the season. Yeah. So I do think there's some time to get it figured out. And on the Miami side of the things, quick, they just have quick, to be quick. I got team. 10 seconds. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Miami side of things, they just have to beat a good team at this point. Like we, we all know the records were against the Eagles, the bills, and now the chiefs where they haven't played very well. Um, but I'm still not out on them. They still have a high powered offense. The defense is starting to click a little bit too. So both those teams, I think this is just an overreaction on, on the fan base side of things on both of them. Well, I hope you're right. Uh, I got to run, buddy. Thanks a lot for joining me. Always appreciate it. There he goes, Brendan Deeg from the Score and the Double Doink Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow on the Fan Checkdown. Talk to you then.